How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Fear Frequency, a weekly horror podcast where two best friends round up the horror news worth caring about and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today is my co-host, George Frizzard. Uh We got... <laughs> We got we got some stuff to talk about this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first off, last week we uh, we mentioned the final boys podcast, and we ended up deciding that they were the final guys without looking it up. So we got a tweet from them that says, "This message is for the angst frequency, aka fear frequency. It's the final boys, not guys. I'm sure the final guys are cool too, though, because the final guys." is also a podcast yeah so we just mixed it up but then they said hashtag we still cool uh so everyone go listen to the final boys this week because they're really cool and we're sorry we messed their name up they're really cool and we like their podcast a lot yeah they are good (laughs) so we're going to be reviewing two movies on the show this week pie Wacket and chopping mall and the reason we ended up deciding to do chopping mall as well is because last week when we talked about the remake uh we said we haven't seen the movie yet for some reason and then friend of the show nolan Mackey said we should review it this week so we want to give him a little shout out there uh we're reviewing the movie just for him so we have a ton of news this week but i just heard a sound that has let me know that there is a halloween alert did you hear that george I, I did hear that. It sounds a, like a loud scream off in the distance. A, a loud scream from from our favorite doctor. Our no longer canon scream. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, uh, the Halloween alert this week is that James Jude Courtney is the real Michael Myers, and that Nick Castle only cameos as Michael Myers. So our friends over at Halloween Daily News they delivered. Yet again, they have an interview with James Jude, James Jude Courtney, where he said, David Gordon Green was really sensitive and generous when he said, we're inviting Nick Castle to come back to do a little work. Do you have a problem with that? Because you're the Michael Myers now. And he said, uh, and I was like, oh my God, are you kidding? What an honor it would be, first of all, to meet the guy, but secondly, to work with him. How good does that get? And then he says, uh, so we started work, and I can't remember if it was the second or third week that Nick came in and did kind of a cameo. He did a couple scenes, I'm in with the scenes with him, which is really beautiful. He and I were hoping that would happen because he even said, this is the passing of the torch. We met with foreign journalists on the set, and Nick was so super gracious and just saying, look, I've come in to do a cameo. Jim is our Michael Myers now. And uh, he made it crystal clear this article says when he said through the filming i'm in every scene i was there almost every day long days and it was an extremely physical role so james jude courtney is michael myers in the new halloween and nick castle just as a cameo which makes sense because initially when this news came out you boys were saying there's no fucking way he's playing like the majority of this movie because he's old right uh i think we were saying that that's kind of a strange choice because he's you know older now and it wouldn't really be that menacing probably as Michael Myers because he's like an old guy and couldn't do the more rigorous stunts that might need to happen. But Right, right. Uh, but this is cool. I mean, I'm glad that, you know, he's still around and was there to give his input on, you know, on the character and how to play Michael Myers and just kind of be there on set to check everything out. So it's cool that he was there to pass the torch and kind of, you know, be able to guide the way for the, the next Michael Myers. Yeah, so, but you know what's weird? He says passing the torch. Do you, that makes me kind of rethink whether or not Michael Myers, if this is the last time we're going to see him. Like, do you think they're going to kill him off in this movie? Or do you think he'll st- he will stay an unkillable force? I think it'll probably have an open ending where if this movie makes a trillion dollars, which it's going to, then Blumhouse will pump out another one. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it it doesn't do well, then they'll just leave it as you know, because like the first Halloween also had an open ending, and that necessarily didn't need a sequel. That mm-hmm. ended in a way that it could have been a standalone movie, and it still would have been really good. Yeah. So I don't know. That's the Halloween alert for this week, but that's some that's some big news. Actually. Yeah. I mean, it is about Michael Myers himself, so it's a it's very weird important. that they waited this long to let that come out because. You know, that rumor was being reported on widely for a long time. Yeah. I think, think someone would have corrected it so that <laughs> James Jude Courtney wouldn't have to deal with people saying uh, someone else is the real Michael Myers this time around. <laughs> right. Months. But hey, he got paid, so 
that's I guess that's what matters at the end of the day. Right. So uh, next one we have up on the list is there's a new trailer for the movie Marrowbone, starring both Anna Taylor Joy and uh, Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things, who plays uh, Jonathan. And so this trailer that came out is less of a trailer and more just like a short excerpt of the movie. Uh, it, it kind of begins almost identical to the scene from uh, The Conjuring with the like <laughs> torch, I'm you know, the, the match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where he has the match and he's like looking around, like you're just expecting a pair of hands to clap the the match out for him. But it's it's kind of a weird trailer. It doesn't it doesn't give too much away because it's it's not really a compilation of what's going on. It's literally just a, a cut scene from the movie, which is kind of strange. I don't know. I kind of like it. I kind of think it's a little weird. But uh, so far the cast is shaping up to be pretty good and. It looks yeah, I like love Anya it'll Taylor be. Joy. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it'll be pretty good. Yeah. So, dude, that's so weird. That how much that looks like The Conjuring, but Anya Taylor Joy <laughs> is so good. Charlie Heaton, I don't like. He's good. He's like kind of good in Stranger Things, right? Like. Yeah, he's okay. I mean, he's definitely not anyone's favorite character, but I think he kind of plays that like loner. Uh, he's playing well. Cannonball in the New Mutants movie, and I met him on the set of that movie, and he's British, but he spoke in the Kentucky accent that his character has when we interviewed him. I thought that was kind of weird. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, like, uh, I, I can't talk about that set visit too much, but, like, I, I guess I can talk about him. He was, like, uh, he was a little weird. He, he 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 in real life he's a lot like uh, Jonathan in Stranger Things. I can sort of see that. Yeah, and like they typecast him pretty well. Yeah, and, and I think he he plays that role fine. I don't think there's really you know much complaints. So mm-hmm. I think I think this could be good. I think it's probably gonna be more on Anna Taylor Joy's shoulders than his. But this Marrowbone, I guess we'll wait for the next trailer and see see what the next news is about this one. Yeah, so speaking of New Mutants, uh, there was some news I wanted to talk about on here. This movie is going through some crazy shit, dude. Like, Yeah. So have you heard of this? Like, Yeah, I saw all this stuff coming out around it. Okay, so it got bumped from February of next year to August 2nd, 2019, which is bad. Uh, Collider reported that 50% of the movie is going to be reshot. And basically, to long story short, initially Josh Boone and uh, Nate Lee, Josh Boone's the director and Nate Lee's the writer, they wanted this to be a horror movie originally, and Fox did not like really want it to be a horror movie, and then it did really well, and so Fox tried to make it scarier, and then now they're sending it back, even though Josh Boone had a cut he was happy with, and that this like this cut tested better than Deadpool when Deadpool was testing, uh, they're sending it back to have 50% of the movie reshot. They're trying to add in a whole new character and John Hamm is rumored to be like added into this. It's crazy, dude. Like, I don't know. See, I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. To me, that sounds like a huge mess. I don't know what, what the goal is, but I think if it was something where there was a cut of the movie done, ready to go testing. Well, I don't get why you would, go back for drastic changes like that they're adding in an entire new villain who's played by antonio banderas uh that like how do you add in a new villain right because you'd assume the villain would be core to the plot and a lot of the dialogue of the (laughs) movies so I, I, I don't know i don't know how they're changing the focus so drastically so they were trying to add a whole new character and then that was before they decided to reshoot half the movie. So they're still adding in that character. And they're adding in uh, Antonio Banderas' character. Like, ah, see, it's weird. It's weird to think about this. Because if the first cut was testing as well as Deadpool, I would want to see that. You know? Like, I don't, like I'm glad it's going back, kind of, in my brain. I'm, I'm glad it's going back to be a scarier movie overall. But, I don't know, if... If, if they had a t- like a cut that was working well with audiences, maybe they should have left it at well enough, you know? 
Yeah. I'm not sure if the, you know, the latest Disney acquisition deal had anything to do with this, where maybe some, one of the new talent came in and saw the cut and said that it wasn't good enough for whatever reason, and yeah. they wanted to change more about it. I don't know. It's really... I don't know. It seems weird. This The more you hear about it, I mean, it, it's never good when you hear movies going through all these kinds of massive changes last minute like that, so... I mean, I'm trying to stay optimistic and be excited for this movie, but I don't know. It sounds like it's going to be a total mess when it releases. It just, it seemed like it was on such a good track. And why, why, so like the trailer that they released was cut like two days after the movie we finished shooting or something crazy like that. It was just to like hop on that it hype pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like this, this whole report, you guys, is fucking crazy. Like I suggest... Uh, everyone go read it. It's like this whole uh, Collider has a thing on it and the tracking board also has their own article. Uh, it's just... It's just... This whole story is crazy. And it's, it's a movie that really doesn't seem like it should be this hard to make. Like the, the story it's pulling from, the demon bear, you have it all written out. You know, it's a bunch of... It's Danny Moonstar goes up against this mutant bear that tracks her out of nowhere. She gets hurt by the bear and ends up in a hospital and they have to like fight this battle in a different dimension against the bear and and kill it in time to rescue Danny Moonstar. Like that's that's a great plot right there for a, a comic that came out so many years ago. They should just pull from that. Like we don't need all these this extra crap thrown in it, you know? Like you yeah. have everything you need. Yeah, you don't need 30 villains thrown at the last second and all these <laughs> last-minute changes, so... Yeah, like, there's a reason that comic was so successful. It's really cool. Like, they go to this other dimension that's a different continental United States, and the artist, I forget who it was right now, but he drew out every issue. You would see a map of the United States, and you'd see, uh, like, the amount of the map that was taken over by the Demon Bear's Blight. And the new mutants that were in this dimension could only survive in the, like, light areas of it. And, uh, (laughs) I mean, there's some racist stuff in it where, like, the demon bear turns a couple character, a couple white people into Native Americans. And then Mm -hmm. at the end of the arc, those people are stuck as Native Americans. Which is, like, really weird. Yeah. Uh, But other than that, the story is, like, pretty cut and dry and good. So I don't know why they didn't just stick with that to begin with. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly, I don't know what to think of this movie at this point. Just, <laughs> if it ever releases, we're going to be in for something, for sure. Yeah, so, uh, you pulled something else out of this story, though, about The Stand. Do you want to lead us into that? Yeah, so, uh, The Stand is supposedly getting adapted uh, for, like, a 10-hour miniseries on CBS. The, uh, the reason this is connected to the, the New Mutant story is because uh, Josh Boone, who's the director, uh, was the, the main guy heading this project and was, you know, once this whole New Mutants thing's all wrapped up, then he's set to direct this adaptation. Uh, yeah, and he's had such a weird career, man. Like, he loves Stephen King, where, like, his mom, when he was growing up, was super religious, but he loved Stephen King. And he used to hide Stephen King books under his bed. And he would read them. I think it's like him and his brother or something. So he really wanted to make The Stand. Like he's been really into that. And it's been announced that he was doing a movie too or something. Originally the plan was he was going to do like a four part movie for The Stand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that got scrapped and now it's a ten part miniseries that's going to be on TV instead of four movies. Well, it says CBS All Access, so that means it's going to be on their streaming service, like with Star Trek Discovery. I mean, that could be good. I don't don't know. know. I'm not like why it's we we keep coming back to why does the Stephen King multiverse have to get so split between companies? Like, the stand is so directly tied to the Dark Tower, you know? Yeah. it, It like you, I think. I think you would definitely, like, you know, something like Cujo can be told without the Dark Tower reference, right? Yeah. But if you take something like The Stand and you take out all those other connections and all that tissue, you know, like, I feel like you definitely lose something at the heart of it at that point. Yeah, probably. 
I don't know. It's weird. I don't think that they're ever... I mean, unless that Amazon Dark Tower show becomes a a real thing, I don't know if we're ever going to get that kind of connected universe because everything's yeah. being so splintered. And Did this... I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, a 10-part stand adaptation could be... I mean, it could be cool. I, I know a lot of people like the book. I haven't read it myself, but... Uh, I mean... He seems to be really into the source material, and if he can find a way to cut around <laughs> these all these connective tissues to all these other Stephen King stories while we have these other weird projects going on, like Castle Rock, which none of us know what to expect with that. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Like, that show looks good, but the trailers we've seen don't reveal anything except a look, and it looks good, but, like, you know, <laughs> we don't know. We don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, it's it's cool to get all these King adaptations because, you know, he's such a prolific writer and his stories are usually pretty good, but it's just weird that we're getting all these kind of out there, unconnected stories when he has a main core to his whole multiverse that he thinks is like his magnum opus that no one is touching and no one's able to connect everything with. Yeah, and then they go ahead and let Sony make the movie, which is just like, yeah, what yeah. the fuck is not the best track record there. The decision making there is just not good. <laughs> but I mean, that's just the downside to. Uh, I mean, it's like a double edged sword where it's good that Stephen King is able to pump out so many different, like, great novels, but then it sucks that he wasn't more careful with who he let make them into like movies and tv shows and stuff you know i honestly and, think he probably never planned to ever have like a dark towers connected right, cinematic right. universe or anything like that i think he was just assuming that the only place i would ever live would be his novels and if he can sell you know his stories to make a movie out of it like there's no way that all these movies going to be connected because really the first time that we had like a cinematic universe of all these connected movies was what Avengers, like when Marvel set up their cinematic yeah, universe. That's pretty much it. So it it seemed like a pretty far out concept that couldn't happen. And now that we live in a time when that people that's all movie companies are trying to do is build their own cinematic universe. Now it's kind of you know it kind of sucks because all these things are all split up now. And yeah, it's like the one thing that really feels. Like it should have its own cinematic universe, is so split up rights wise that it feels like it'll never happen. Yeah, which is sad you know? because I think if if there was a way to connect all of these and do a legit Dark Towers show or movie series that would connect all these different King stories, that could be something pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Honestly, if they started small and made like a Shining universe or something, that might be cool. But it would have to be, it would have to, they couldn't remake The Shining. Like, you know, they would have to consider The Shining the center point, like you, the good one from Stanley Kubrick, and then make a Dr. Sleep novel. And then there, there's that other book I forgot about that's from, uh, or it's coming out this year, right? It's another Shining book. Yeah, I believe, I believe so. And so, like you just create this, like someone needs to create a universe that's good with Stephen King's work. Like... It's just, it's untapped, and it needs to be tapped by yeah, someone I mean, other than Sony. <laughs> I don't know if the only way to do that would be for him to come out with a whole new series to, and then kind of keep all that th all those ideas centralized under one roof. Yeah. But or that seems maybe like... Castle Rock will be the start, you know, like maybe, Bad maybe, Robot yeah, knows maybe, what they're doing. Right, maybe Castle Rock will... I mean, be... do they know what they're doing, though? Cloverfield Paradox. Yikes. Really just through my whole like uh worship of jj abrams out of whack yeah i i mean how much involvement did he really have in paradox not a lot that's the problem he yeah. just was like my cloverfield universe i'll just <laughs> buy movies and change them yeah so i, I mean having code. him at the helm isn't you know the vote of confidence it once was and but maybe it'll be good maybe it'll be a big hit and We'll start small. It looks like there's a lot of his smaller stories in there being connected from mm -hmm. the few things we've seen in the trailer. So maybe we can kind of start small with these short stories and 
build on that and eventually they'll be able to get bigger properties and you know maybe maybe castle rock will be the the new core of the stephen king's cinematic universe only time will tell so continuing on with this train of weird news jeremy saunier who's the director of blue ruin and uh green room and murder party which are all amazing horror movies he has left true detective season three which is uh not good (laughs) it's very bad (laughs) yeah he, he could have saved that show man like after a very lackluster season two having jeremy sonia on board fuck like that's how i remember we were stoked like that's how you get people excited and then i feel like if you're gonna have people like that like brian fuller on american gods you gotta make do what you can to make these people stick around you know yeah exactly Ugh, that sucks and it sounds like a cool premise too yeah, uh, season three is apparently uh, tells the story of a macabre crime in the heart of the Ozarks and a mystery that deepens over decades and plays out in three separate time periods. So uh, that, oh, sounds, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> it sounds kind of like the the plot from season one where you take the, you know, it was like them as young cops and then them as like yeah. old guys. But it's over decades instead, so it might be like a generational jump instead of, you know, within these two characters' lifespans. Yeah, which, that makes sense for which could Jeremy be cool. Sonia to pick up, because he's dealt with time before. Exactly. And, I mean, having him on there was huge since, I mean, like season... That, that was what got me excited for it. Yeah, I mean, season one is a masterpiece. I don't think... Yeah, Two yeah, Tracker season one is like a top three season of television ever made, and I don't think most people would deny that. And season two, most people didn't like. I wasn't a huge fan of it. And so I thought maybe they were going to redeem themselves with this season, but having him step away like that doesn't really put a good taste in my mouth for this season. Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of season two, so if it's bad, I won't watch a lot of season three. And if you, if you want a good story, send the Ozarks. Go watch Ozark, because that yeah. show Ozark is fucking awesome. Yeah, and I... I feel like a lot of people kind of slept on that show because I haven't really heard many people talk about it, but... It's coming back. That's good. Yeah. It was a really interesting kind of true crime show. Jason Bateman completely kills it. Plays himself. Plays himself as he always does. Nails it. Like, I think there's 10 episodes and he directed eight out of them. He does a really good job directing. (laughs) Yeah, he is just all around awesome and that show definitely deserves more more views yeah so we'll see how true detective season three goes and then if there's any last podcast fans out there this news is gonna uh make them laugh james wan and roy lee are teaming up for a tommy knockers remake and there's a great episode of last podcast where henry zabrowski references this book repeatedly it's <laughs> hilarious but uh we want to give a shout out to luke jaggers he's a really good big fan of the show he sent this news to us and uh tommy knockers is not one of stephen king's like most well-liked or well-known stories yeah and it's kind of out there in its plot so the basic synopsis is uh <laughs> it's a town in Maine that falls under the influence of a dangerous gas from an unearthed spacecraft. The gas begins to transform people, giving them enhanced abilities, but also making them violent and subject to alien hive mentality. One man thinks he'll steal plate in his head, is immune to the effects, and tries to stop the townspeople. So, it's kind of a weird story, just in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty fucking weird story. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but, I mean, having James Wan on there... <laughs> is kind of cool and might... I, we we talked about this though like james wan producing i could the... not care less about you know yeah he, he would need james to be directly wan involved directing in it. is what i want to hear right who's so roy lee is one of the producers behind it which yeah. like that also means nothing like being a producer it's eli roth produced clown you know, like, yeah, exactly. that's an amazing movie, and he's a shitty director. So it's like, you know, like, I, I want to hear more. This is like what we talked about with There's Someone Inside Your House. Like, just, I don't understand why, like, I get I get why James Wan being connected to something is a big deal, but 
I don't think it's a fair indication of something's quality right out of the gate. You're probably right about that. I just, I mean, it's interesting that these two fairly big names, I mean, it was a massive horror hit last year, and James Wan's mm-hmm. obviously made a ton of, you know, huge horror movies over the past couple years, so... I mean, it's cool to see their involvement in a <laughs> Tommy Knockers remake. I mean, it's just a weird property to tackle. So this is good, definitely going to be something to keep our eyes on, just because it's it's strange. Oh. I mean, who knows what's going to come out of this? Oh, I'm reading on in this article, and there's a part that actually gets me excited. So I guess the rest of the plot is that uh, it's about a mall that's built on top of a burial ground where a bunch of old slaves are buried and they're going to inhabit mannequins in the movie oh i i heard actually that they don't have the rights to that to make that movie because it's stupid and it's not it doesn't work it like that what do you mean dude it says right here they have the rights to remake tommy knockers and that's the story of tommy knockers it's based on true <laughs> events it's about a mall that's built on an ancient native american burial ground and the ghosts of slaves there are going to take over mannequins okay well, that is actually the plot of the remake of Chopping Mall that is not going to happen <laughs> because it's stupid. I don't know. I think you're wrong, but we'll just agree to disagree on this one. We'll just agree to disagree on that one. See see the Tommy Knockers Mall remake coming out next year. <laughs> uh, that is <laughs> that movie is not happening. <laughs> but what like for real though, like Tommy Knockers, like there's so many better things from Stephen King's massive library that you could turn into a movie. Like, why? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of fun. If you're into that, like, idea of the movie, I mean, it's weird. It's something, like, weird to play around with. It's it's kind of like a no-risk <laughs> no thing because... No one's yeah, going to be like, I love the original Tommy Knockers, and I will kill you if you destroy their remake. <laughs> like, it's just... Is it... I don't think it's really fair to call it a remake of the movie. I would call it, like, a modern adaptation. Okay. Because they're obvious... Yeah. They're they're not going to fucking, like, pull from the book, you know? Or pull from the movie. Right, right. They're going to pull from the book. Yeah. So... <laughs> which is kind of weak source material so i don't know it's kind of it's a funny plot and it i didn't could... even know this was a movie before oh it was yeah. a 1993 television miniseries ad- adaptation dude th- i fucking hate that i hate when articles call movie versions of tv miniseries remakes it's not a remake it is an adaptation like that that seems like it should be so cut and dry doesn't it yeah, and those are all the rage for King stories for a while. They did one for It, they did one for Tommyknockers, they did one for oh The Shining, God. they did one for... Yeah, like, so like... They did a bunch of them. Like, that was it, that used to be the thing. It, that came out last year, is not a remake. No, it it's is, an adaptation. Yes, so this is an adaptation. Like, <laughs> why is this so hard? <laughs> for people to grasp, like, come on. Like... If they made a revi- like if they made a new TV show, that's a remake. You know? If they did another three-part miniseries. Yeah. Right. That's a remake. Like when the Mist TV show came out on Sci-Fi, people weren't saying, "Oh, it's a remake of the Frank Darabont film on Sci-Fi." They're saying that it's a TV adaptation of the short story The Mist. Why like I don't know. It's just, it's stupid. This is like a pointless thing to get upset about. I understand. But like, this happened with It. And I feel like every time this happens, like if they made a new Misery movie, that would be a remake. Because there was already a Misery movie that was not on TV. It was a theatrically released film. So if they make another theatrically released film, can we agree that that is a remake? I mean, I would even say that would necessarily need to be a remake. It could just be a different adaptation of the source material. Yeah. Fuck. It doesn't That's matter, true. though. It's stupid. It's Tommy Knockers. It. It's just stupid. Why the <laughs> fuck are they making Tommy Knockers? <laughs> we're going to get Stephen Kinged out. Mark my words. Yeah. It, we're, we're definitely getting there. Especially if... 
all these things, all these products do come out at the same time, and then they're all not very good. They're all kind yeah, of lackluster. Yeah, Gerald's game left a bad taste in my mouth. All right, we've got two more news stories to talk about today. But George, George made the doc this week, so he's taken the reins from me. George, introduce these new these news stories for us. All right, so I'm, news I'm to the me. co-pilot today. <laughs> uh, news to me, they are making a Purge TV show. <laughs> they are, it's in the works currently, and they got the huge, massive role. Oh, my God. Most important character in the whole story of Unsane, Colin Woodell, who played Mark. Just so everyone knows, this is the second time we're recording this part because George thought that Colin Woodell played the villain in Unsane, even though we talked about it a week ago. Well, I thought if he, if he was like a named guy from Unsane, he'd be one of the, like, there's one male character in that movie. Like, yeah, I thought it'd right. be an important guy, not Mark. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, your options are the the bad guy actor, because the it's The bad like, guy or Jay Farrow, who it isn't. Yeah, yeah because this guy is white. It... <laughs> so, it's dumb. Who does he, who's Mark? Who I is assume, Mark? I think he's Hashtag. just one of the orderlies. I think he's who just one of the, Mark? like, guys that works in the hospital. They know- guys, we gotta crack this case. Who is Mark? <laughs> Hashtag who's Mark. Judging by the $19,000 that movie made, I don't think any of you went and saw it after you reviewed it. But if you did, you gotta let us know who Mark is. Listen, and if anyone ever says the name Mark, watch out, because that guy's sitting huge. He's about to be in the Purge TV show. What channel is the Purge gonna be on? I believe Sci-Fi or USA. It's one of the two. If it's USA, there's potential. Because of Mr. Robot. Yeah, that's true. Oh, USA Network and Sci-Fi. How does it land at both channels? <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> All I know is Mark from Unsane is in it. So this thing's going to be oh a God. smash hit, baby. Uh, What do you think of a Purge TV show? I don't know. It seems weird. Not, not to discredit or minimize... Colin Woodle. Woodle. I mean, I really like the Woodle. Purge movies. I think more than most people do. I think it's I an interesting them. universe to play around in. But, like, what is a TV show going to be like? Is it going to be political drama? Essentially. Like, is, it, is it Aaron Sorkin's The Purge? From from what I was reading about it, it's... I think it's supposed to be almost like... A, just, like, about the politics around it like politicians and stuff leading up to a purge who are like getting things in line to wreak havoc (laughs) on the night where everything's legal so it'll probably be terrible but (laughs) but we do have a we have another purge movie coming out too so maybe that looks good good. yeah first purge the first purge baby (laughs) all right what's next next we have a new poster came out (laughs) This is just a for, statement from you. Yes, and it's <laughs> awesome. So, this is a news story. This is my news story. <laughs> I'm running the show. <laughs> so there was a Rampage poster that released in Japan, and it looks really cool. <laughs> it's like the cover of an anime. Do you care to elaborate? <laughs> I mean, you got George standing on oh, the back of a lizard. Oh, there's two more news stories after this. I thought that... Oh my god, this is a train wreck this week. <laughs> You don't want to talk about the Rampage Japanese no, no, poster? No, 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 I do, I do. Okay, so I saw a trailer for this movie before Ready Player One, and it was pretty cool. Like, I don't know, The Rock's alright, and me and you both liked, uh, what was that, San Andreas, and it's yeah. from the same director? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, what do you think of this poster? The poster's cool, I what mean. What do you have to say about it? Can you describe it in detail to the listeners who can't see it? So, it's essentially... There's three monsters on there. One seems to be a giant lizard or a sea creature that we see in the trailer. Okay. And then standing on his back is George the gorilla holding what looks like to be a crane in one hand about to whoop his ass. Is it the and crane from The Amazing Spider-Man? I hope so. I hope Spider-Man's swinging around it. And then above him is the wolf that has the wings in the trailer. So it's all the monsters we've seen before, but it's just kind of drawn up in a little more, like... I guess, anime style. Yeah, yeah. 
don't it's, know. I it's it pretty. Cool. It's pretty dope. Yeah. Do you think uh, the Rock is gonna grow big? <laughs> uh, I just want to see what the Rock is gonna punch. I want to see yeah, how right? strong he is versus like a ninety foot kaiju. Because it looks like in the new trailer that I saw, he's playing Pokemon, like where George's is Pokemon. Uh huh. But I want the Rock to grow big. And, f- and fight the other two with George. Like he just takes a hit of the gas that George gets, and he just becomes huge. Yeah. Like, can you imagine a CGI rock like running around Chicago, like the size of a skyscraper, a fly- beating a flying wolf with his fists? <laughs> I, I I'd almost prefer that to the, to the gorilla being big. Like he can run around with his gorilla friend. <laughs> Because if I remember correctly in Rampage, when you lose, you turn back into a person. You know? I mean, I assume that there's going to be at least one point where the rock (laughs) bursts out of the belly of a kaiju. Well, he has two options for that. A wolf and a thing. What is this? this? It's like a sea monster. It just looks like... crocodile? Yeah. Something like that. Some kind of edited crocodile. Weird... Maybe it's like one of those mutated fish that live in the the New York water. My, like, non-hype for this movie has, like, come back around. And I think it's so stupidly funny that I am hyped for it now. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not trying to take itself too seriously, which you can yeah. tell from the trailer. And even San Andreas was, like, kind of a joke all the way through, but... It's it's a fun spectacle, basically. And I think this looks like it'll be a fun, like, turn your brain off for an hour and a half and just watch a bunch of monsters fight each other. Yeah, I like, I turn my brain off for the terrible dialogue and characters in Kong Skull Island. Yeah. So I feel like I owe this movie at least the same. Right, at least one watch to see what it's all about. Yeah, so... That was a nice description of this poster, George. I Thank have, you. I have it painted in my brain. I hope the listeners do too. Don't even look it up. Just take my word for it. If any listeners, before they look it up, draw a nice little <laughs> sketch for us of what you think uh, this trailer, this poster uh, looks like from George's wonderful description. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next, Captain George? Uh, next, there, as we all know, Far Cry 5 came out last week. And one of the things they brought back in this one that they took out in 3 and 4 was uh, the massive level editor, which was mm. present in Far Cry 2. It was a main feature of the game. And yeah, you the, were, like, super into it. Yeah, the I, thing I with remember. the level editor was that it's essentially like a dev kit. Like, you can build an entire game in the level <laughs> editor. It's so insanely detailed and <laughs> precise. So people who are very into, like, building like a game almost with like level editor like you know like a gary's mod or anything like that but with Mm -hmm. it within the far cry 5 engine you can build basically whatever you want in the level editor for this game and uh so far one of the cooler things someone's made is they made a replica of the house from resident evil 7 the first house you can't go in it or anything it's not built up on the inside but the exterior is all built that you can walk around in and like the swamp surrounding it cool and it, it actually looks pretty game accurate. Like, it looks yeah. like the one from the from Resident Evil 7. Yeah, it does. Holy shit. Yeah, so, I mean, this is just kind of... People are playing around with it because the game just came out last week. So, this yeah, isn't... Yeah, I haven't messed around with the arcade at all. Yeah, I, I, I just... This isn't, like, a very impressive level that you're going to want to go out and play. Like, there's nothing cool to do in it. it just... Yeah, it has two stars on yeah. the map editor. Yeah, because it's literally just a scale model of the house. You can't go in. There's nothing to fight. There's nothing to do. It's just kind of a cool showcase for what might come in the future once people, you know, if people latch onto the level yeah, editor and yeah. make their own things that might be cool, you know, I'd give it, side, side levels. I'd give it three stars. For effort. Yeah, I mean, if you could do something, if you could walk around in the house and fight a boss or something, that'd be a five star for me. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't take much for me to give it five stars, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> but the exterior does look good, so it's just kind of a testament to yeah, what no, you can do really in, in the uh, the level editor for Far Cry Some 5. Some guy, like, a couple weeks ago made the Evil Dead cabin in Far Cry 4. 
But like, oh, yeah. I don't think there's a map editor in that game. I think you just used assets from the game. And made... hmm. I saw it on the horror subreddit, and I was like, "Perfect timing, dude." There's gonna be a map. <laughs> the next game map came editor. out with a full level editor. So yeah, I was like, "Congrats!" <laughs> think of all the time he wasted. Yeah, it's. If he's what? a listener, I'm sorry. He just <laughs> made fun of all your hard work. I mean, it I'm looked sure, pretty good. I'm sure it looked cool. I'm sure it was it was well well made. Replica made with a lot of love. If the if the Evil Dead cabin in Ash vs. Evil Dead is a zero and the one in Evil Dead 2013 is a ten, I'd give it about like a seven. Okay, that's pretty good. Okay, I'm glad we agree on this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Far Cry Five is really cool. I uh, I just beat the second. Uh, cult leader uh i recommend doing faith second because she's terrible for everyone and then you can save uh jacob seed for last yeah i had just beaten the first uh john seed i think so yeah that game is uh, great yeah it's huge and uh for listeners who don't know if you're interested at all in this game it's kind of uh jonestown-esque where yeah also, the main bad guy is uh, straight out of the Branch Davidians, and no one is talking about it. Yeah, so a lot of cult, uh, I guess, real-life cult people that they're drawing on, inspiration for this game. Uh, and I, I think the story is actually pretty interesting. Uh, rural Montana, I believe. Yep. There's a, just a cult that's built up in the mountains that have captured all these people, and they have their own drug that they're using on people to get them to join their uh you know revolution and it's all run by this family with the last name of seed and you're a rookie cop that's going in there and you're trying to bust up this cult and i think it's pretty well done i think that the story is really interesting and anyone who's into that uh you know researching cults and things like that will probably get a get a kick out of it yep and then i have a i have a switch announcement for everyone Uh, outlast 2 dropped on the switch this week uh, out of nowhere, just like the first game. I think it's $40, but uh, they did not make very many graphical uh, downgrades on it. Like, it looks it looks really good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I still would recommend if you have, like, a PS4 or an Xbox, I would play it on there just because it's not made for a handheld. It's kind of way more open than the first Outlast. I think there's a case to be made for the first Outlast being played in handheld mode, but I just think... The way that Outlast 2 is like built in how the story works and the environment it's set in, which is a cult, which is what reminded me of this. Uh, I think it just works better on a TV. But if you're really into Switch, I would recommend picking it up because they also just updated it to include a mode where you get the story first. Because I can attest to this. The reason they did it was because people were just kind of like flying through the game and not getting a lot of the story. And that... I mean, that's what the devs are saying, but honestly, it's a very poorly told story. Uh, you just get a lot of it contextually just by being sitting still. And in this game, you're constantly running. So, yes, I do see what the devs are saying, but also I think it's a poorly told story. But regardless, any help to the story being told to you is worth like taking. So, if you've never played Outlast 2, I would recommend finally checking it out now. And playing on the story first mode, because if you play it on the normal mode, the enemies can one hit you and you'll miss a lot of the key details. Is that mode in the uh, the other versions of the game or is it just yeah. on the Switch? Yeah, it was, it was a free update. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, and if you have an Xbox One X also, that game runs native 4K 60 frames per second and it looks like real life. Oh good, terrifying. Yeah, yeah, like... When you put when you put up the night vision on the camera, it, it just looks like real life. <laughs> it is haunting, like, <laughs> unreal, dude. Uh, th- there's some really cool Jonestowny stuff. Uh, the intro to that game is shot for shot almost identical to the intro to Far Cry Five, but Far Cry Five is executed a little better. But nice. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So go play Outlast Two uh, if you haven't yet. And you have one more thing on here. Yep, uh, we have one, just a quick thing. Uh, Studio House makes t-shirts, uh, baseball tees and normal t-shirts that uh, the art on them is like stacks of VHS tapes. And they just released a shirt 
uh, on the 30th that you can still buy. It's still up on the site I checked. That's all uh, old John Carpenter movies. So there's like Escape from New York, The Fog, The Thing, uh, Christine, and then like one or two other ones. And there's just it just looks like a, like the back of a you know the edge of a VHS yeah, tape stacked up on top of each other. So it's it's kind of a cool shirt. And if you want to check it out, the it's on StudioHouse.com. Yeah, StudioHouseDesigns.com. <laughs> the Encino Man one is awesome on yeah. the site. <laughs> they, they do some cool stuff, but uh, I just thought that we might want to point out the the new yeah. Carpenter shirt. So George did the creature feature this week. Yeah, StudioHouseDesigns.com is, is the creature feature. Sweet. So uh, I give your news section a 10 out of 10. Thank you. You did it. I appreciate I, it. Everyone let George know on Twitter how proud of him you are for his <laughs> news section. <laughs> Okay, so that is going to wrap up segment one, and we will be right back for segment two. All right, we're back from our quick break here, and before we get started, I want to let everybody know that George and I are both on Letterboxd, so there's a great story with this. Uh, I made a Letterboxd account over a year ago, but I spelled my name wrong, I-I-M-M-Y Champagne, rather than J-I-M-M-Y Champagne, Mm. and I was so embarrassed that I never went back, but I tweeted about this a couple weeks ago. And the kind people at Letterboxd let me change my name. And the reason I didn't do it myself was because I was not about to pay $20 for their premium service, which is the only way to change your name yourself. So props to Letterboxd. They let me change my name back. We're both on there. And I made a list on my account of every movie in order from oldest to most current that we've talked about on the show. So if you're a new listener and you want to see any of the movies we've talked about before, head over to letterbox.com, make an account, and you'll be able to see on my account, Jimmy Champagne, uh, a list of movies we've featured on the show. And this is not sponsored. I just think it's a really good platform. But uh, I saw, George, you were on there today. You just made your account. You were rating some movies. Yeah, uh, it is a really cool social media site. Uh, I like the UI a lot. I think it's very intuitive and looks nice. Yeah, it's uh, a great app. Yeah, a great app. App just came out for Android recently, so if you have an Android phone. Oh, really? Phone, yep. That was like I didn't I didn't know it wasn't on Android. That's yeah, crazy. It, it was on Android for the for the longest time, but it, it just got the Android app, so uh, if you have an Android phone, you can get it on there and uh, it's it's just fun. It's just kind of a cool way you can yeah. set like your top 4 favorite movies and you can either leave a review, you know, what writing something out, or you can just leave stars and say that you liked it, or add movies to your watch list that you're interested in seeing. It's just kind of a fun way to keep track of movies that you've seen. And uh, I actually went through that list that you have on your account of all of our movies. So we both have rated some of. I wrote a couple of short reviews for a few of yeah, them. Yeah, George's reviews are great. They're one sentence. Yeah, they're and very, they're, very short. They're, like, short. actually good. Like, <laughs> he, he really boils down in our hour-long show into one sentence well. Yeah, my, I just, I use it almost like a tweet about the movie where I just give, like, my thought on it in general, like, very briefly. And, and, and honestly, rating. it's the most active I've ever seen George on any form of social media. <laughs> In one day, he's eclipsed his activity on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook combined over his entire lifetime. <laughs> but yeah, that's a cool, it's a cool social media. You should all check it out, and you should all yeah. follow both of us on there. It, it allowed me to give the strangers pray at night a half star. That is hilarious. I do love the half star ratings. <laughs> the half star is like. Oh man, I, I, George only, I don't think you gave out any half stars. I think I gave one. What and it was might have it? been the open house. Oh, it was the open house. I gave about four or five half stars. So I was a little meaner than George. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, if you're on IMDb and you rate your movies there, you can import your IMDb ratings and reviews with the click of a button. So they thought of everything. Uh, and I think that's enough plugging for the app. So, this week, we got two good movies for you guys. The first one is Pie Wacket, and that is directed by 
Adam McDonald. He also wrote it. It stars Nicole Munez and uh, Lori Holden as Leah and Mrs. Reyes. And what do you think? Everyone knows I like this movie, but I want to hear what you thought of it. I, I liked it. I thought it was a cool story. I liked the setting a lot. I thought that the the house in the woods was well done. I thought that looked really cool. It yeah, actually, do you want to explain the plot a little bit? Yeah, so the idea is that uh, Leah is kind of uh, getting into the occult. She's kind of like one of the punk kids at her high school. And her father recently passed away. And so her mom is kind of struggling, seems to be a bit of an alcoholic. They kind of hint to that. And she needs a fresh start because, you know, she can't live in the house that she shared with her husband and things have been really tough for her. So she decides that she wants to move out to the country, like two plus hours away. And so Leah is obviously not very happy about that because she wants to stay in her high school with her friends and doesn't want to leave home and gets upset with her mom and decides to summon a witch named Piwacket to kill her in order to stay with her friends. Yeah, and once she summons the witch, her struggle becomes stopping the witch because she's like, fuck, this is real. Like, this thing's going to kill my mom. And, right. Uh, so what I really like about this movie is the setting. We talked about this last week a little bit. Uh, it's, it's shot in Canada, but it's shot ridiculously close to michigan so it kind of has that like backwoodsy midwestern feel to it and uh the costume design on point and the camera work is also on point and uh piwacket herself is pretty freaky yeah you don't see her very often there's only a couple scenes with the actual witch but those are all the done one, the one where she runs out of the door that is that i have a i had a nightmare about that i have that image in my brain still from the first time i saw it oh yeah that part is generally terrifying really i don't know if that was like a, a contortionist in a suit or if that was cgi but it was very creepy nonetheless yeah i'm glad that part got to you too <laughs> so really freaky yeah that's really freaky uh i mean i just thought it was a very interesting story to watch i think it it kind of drags a little bit in the beginning i thought that the mm-hmm. the build-up was a little slow for me uh but i thought that once this once it kind of gets going i thought that the actual ritual was cool i liked seeing her go out in the woods and you know take like her mom's hair and cut her wrist and make yeah. the pentagram out of the string and stuff i thought that was all really well done and seemed i was like hell yeah dude like you summoned that witch fuck yeah <laughs> right like oh that you're seemed... gonna bury your hair sick yeah it all seemed pretty grounded and she, you know she brings out her little occult book and she's reading out of it and it's like yeah. i was like maybe i should buy some awesome. occult books because that's that's pretty sweet yeah and she goes to like meets this author and she's like oh man these spells are dope and he's like yeah they're also like dangerous as fuck so calm down <laughs> <laughs> turns out he was right also, um, I, uh, there's like a short subplot where uh, she's kind of telling her friends that, you know, she actually did summon a witch and the occult is real and, you know, that there's actually an entity coming after her, her family now. And so she brings her friend uh, Janice over to kind of, you know, see, they spend the night together and she's kind of waiting to see what happens, if she can catch any kind of paranormal activity while they're there to, just because, you know, she's interested in it and she also likes the occult. And I was actually, that, parts of that reminded me of the book that we just read, actually, that we're planning on reviewing on the show. Um, yeah. My Best Friend's Exorcism. Yeah, it did remind me of that, too. Uh, it was just kind of a cool... fucking creepy. Yeah, it was like a relationship and even... Uh, the mention of when she was like, wow, your mom keeps a lot of owls around the house. And the owl is like a reoccurring thing in the, my best friend's exorcism as well. It's kind of a reoccurring symbol. I actually looked it up and owls are like a symbol of the occult. Like they are part of the, that whole yeah. thing. So I thought that I was kind of. I looked that up too. Yeah. So uh, I just think that the, the setting can't be overstated enough with like how much praise I can give it because it does feel I think this probably just hits closer to home because it does feel like the rural, like slightly northern Michigan woods that we <laughs> we know so well. 
And it just really puts you in a good sense of place when you're seeing it. Like, you believe that these are some woods where some freaky shit might go down. Yeah, and you can rent it now, which is cool. It's, like, on all VOD platforms. And I don't know. I really hope... I really hope Adam McDonald gets, like... Not that this movie feels small in any way. I feel like I just want him to get a huge budget to make a really, like, cool horror movie, you know? Like, maybe Blumhouse will give him something. Because he's a great director. Yeah, I, I didn't... I didn't have any issues with the writing or the directing. I thought it was cinematography was excellent. Uh, I thought the story was well paced once it gets going, and the witch effects are haunting. So I really liked this movie. I thought it was great. Yeah. So uh, I what, what would you give it out of five? I gave it a five out of five. I gave it a four and a half. Okay. I mean that's pretty fair. That's a solid nine out of ten. Yeah, that's and a I nine out of, 10 10. out of ten. So. Okay, so next up on the list, we have Chopping Mall, which is released in 1986, and it's free on Amazon Prime. It's directed by Jim Wynorski and written by Jim Wynorski and Steve Mitchell. It stars our favorite woman, Barbara Crampton, as Susie, Carrie Emerson as Linda, Russell Todd as Rick, Tony O'Dell as Ferdy, Kelly McDonald. Marnie as Alice. <laughs> and that's the whole cast. What'd you think of this movie, George? I thought this movie was a ton of fun. <laughs> I think that <laughs> I it, loved it. <laughs> it had a lot of really hilarious like lines in it. I thought it I mean it definitely plays up the comedy a lot. Like it never takes itself very seriously, which I think really adds to Yeah, yeah. the feel of it. And but the basic synopsis for anybody who doesn't know is uh, this mall gets outfitted with three robots that are supposed to patrol the mall at night and take out any criminals that would be in the mall, detain them until you know the police show up. They send out a distress signal that's like a big satellite dish mounted on top of the building. And then once they send out that, the police come, they sh- catch the criminals, and then the robots keep doing what they do. And <laughs> there's a lightning storm that strikes the... <laughs> the main central hub and it turns all the robots into killing machines instead of protectors of the mall and so while they're patrolling the mall at night these the our cast of characters that we just read off uh are having a party in like a furniture store and so they're in the mall after hours and they're stuck there with the robots that are trying to kill them and it's i just thought it was a ton of fun yeah i like how many uh catchphrases this movie as there are a lot of them like waitress i need more butter waitress more butter (laughs) yeah that was a good one and then uh susie and her friend i don't remember linda right is her friend linda i mean a lot of the characters are pretty forgettable like yeah the final girl in this one yeah rememberable at all (laughs) or not memorable but anyways Whenever they call each other babe, they go, it is babe, right? And I thought that was really cool. <laughs> it's kind of a fun. I mean, there's just a lot of, like, kind of cheesy, like, 80s things about this movie. But yeah. th- they work because it's, like, almost a parody of itself. Yeah. the I really like Barbara Crampton a lot. I think she is a great 80s actress. And she's in We Are Still Here, so she's still acting today. Uh, they make her kind of a dumb bimbo in this movie, and I don't appreciate that, <laughs> because she's pretty cool in Reanimator. Yeah, I mean, she's a strong character in Reanimator. She's In this one, she's a dumbass. Yeah, but... She, they like. There's a part where they have a way to get out of the mall, and she's like, I gotta go back and save my boyfriend! <laughs> if she's like halfway out of the mall. And I was like, why wouldn't she just leave? But there's another two characters, a husband and wife, who I thought were a great addition to the teenagers. You know, it was cool to have uh, these teenagers hang out with two people that are very clearly the same age as the actors (laughs) playing teenagers, but they're adults for some reason. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I thought that was kind of funny. Their storyline's sort of weird. They run a, like, a repair shop or something, and they're stuck there too, so... They all team up eventually, and they... I mean, it almost had kind of a... Like, after seeing this movie, I see where um, Dead Rising got some of its 
Oh like, yeah, I think Dead Rising pulls more from this than uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, and I I wasn't expecting that. Like after seeing this, I'm like, wow, they really do. You know, this is like a mall movie that <laughs> it was pretty influential on that game that I would have never seen otherwise. And, and the robots, uh, like the robots, were like pretty pretty dope and high tech for 1986. Have like, a they nice look day. Cool. Yeah, every time they kill someone, they go, thank you, have a nice day. <laughs> I love that. that was great. Oh, and I, then the hook, the like theme song of this movie. Oh, the hook, the oh, music is amazing. God, it's so good. The music is so good. It's like it's the like, wettest 80s synth you've ever heard in your entire life. With piano, and like, it starts off kind of like mysterious, but then it turns into this like sick, like pump up song. Oh my god, it's great. I like loved it. It was awesome. Yeah, the soundtrack and was amazing for this movie. Whatever no transfer they used on the Amazon Prime version looked great on my 4K TV. Yeah, like, mine too. It's a good looking movie. And there's that gift that I've seen everywhere of the lady's head blowing up. Now I know what it's from. It's from this. So if anyone's ever seen that gift, not the Mama Fratelli one when her head blows up, it's another one when a teenager's head blows up. Uh, that's from this movie. I'm sure I'm the last person to figure that out, but I don't care. <laughs> I really like that. That was a cool thing to see, because I've seen it used so many times by, like, horror fans. How the fuck did we miss this movie, dude? I have no idea how we missed this, because it seems like this is right up both of our alleys. and something we used, that... we used to only watch 80s movies. Like, right. We ran out of 80s movies, or so we thought. That's why so we, we moved thought, on to, like, modern movies. We missed, out, we missed out on Gold Lake Chopping Mall this whole yeah, time. Yeah, this, this one's, like, really good. <laughs> this is a really good movie. I think... <laughs> I gave it three and a half stars out of five. Because, like, I don't know. It's kind of sexist. I give it the same way. thing. Like, even for the 80s, like, some of the stuff is towing the line of, like, is the director creepy or isn't he? You know, like, I don't know. I But I feel like that's kind of an unfair criticism for a movie of the time. And, you know, the characterization's pretty bad. And uh, dialogue's pretty good, though. Yeah, I mean, the I don't know. A lot of the characters are forgettable other than the robots. I think the I only robots remember are... Susie because Barbara Crampton played her. Right. Like, if you had not known who the actress was, you wouldn't remember any character's name in this movie. They're all yeah. pretty forgettable and just make poor decisions throughout the whole movie. But it's <laughs> it's such a fun watch that you're always interested to see what the next, like, kill is going to be from these yeah, three the, robots. The, and, the like, kill how of the robot uh, pushes the guy backwards and he falls three stories. Oh, that one's great. <laughs> that one was like a highlight for me. And then at the end when the nerdy guy goes up against the robot and you think oh, he's yeah. dead. <laughs> <Just go. laughs> After the like final girl does this whole elaborate plan to kill the last robot. Uh, he's just like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a plan to kill the robot. So they completely ditch like instantly. <laughs> so... The, the plot's pretty weak, but I, I don't know. I had a lot of fun watching this. I thought this was a total blast. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I think this one's worth watching, especially because it's free. Like, if you have yeah, Amazon Prime. Yeah, free on Amazon Prime, which we've been pipping every week because we say their selection is so good. And they have this movie on there also, so just adding more to our argument. So, yeah, I'm going to give this one a not whack. Go watch it. Yeah, I really like this movie, and I think... If you're interested at all in that kind of 80s vibe, you should check this one out. Yeah, so uh, next week on the show, we're going to be reviewing uh, Demon House, which is a doozy, guys. I watched <laughs> it last weekend. I, I'm For those of you who don't know, that's like Zach Baggins' uh, movie, documentary, I guess, that he, he bought a house sight unseen in Gary, Indiana, because he heard it was haunted. And uh, they're... This this documentary he made, guys, whew, it's nuts. And then we're also going to be reviewing um, A Quiet Place, which I got to see last week. And uh, the long and short of it is, because we're going to talk about it after it comes out, it's like a modern horror masterpiece. Like, 10 out of 10. Go see it this weekend. Like, that, that should be the movie you see. I fucking, I loved it. Like, every second of that movie it just it nails pacing in a way that i haven't seen in a horror movie in so long and it also has real stakes that's all i'm gonna say but we'll yeah. be reviewing that in full next week but you yeah, should go I'm, see it this weekend i'm super excited to see that i'm gonna go check that out on thursday Ah, dude I, it's 
Like it is so refreshingly original and good. Awesome. It's so nice to see a new unique premise for a horror movie that does not feel gimmicky in any way. Like it just does everything right. I think so go see that this weekend, but I think that's the end of the show, dude. So again, you can follow us uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Champagne and George Frizzard and go join the 850 other people who follow us on Instagram because they are chatting us up on our great posts. So you want to go join that community. It's right there for you. Uh, You want to bring us home? Yeah. uh, As always come back next week from more horror news and reviews and you never know who might be listening. (laughs) 